to another episode of the Nick's Cave. I'm Sam here with Max and Nick. And today we have a very special guest. He is one of my best friends, a noted Warriors fan and Jonathan Kuminga enthusiast, all the way from Woodside, California, Mr. Ravi Lonberg. How you doing? Good. It's absolute honor. I've been watching this video of Julius Randle knocking a laptop out of his coach's hand on loop <laughs> to get excited no. for this for this podcast so i i thank you for having me on yeah it's uh it's not been a great last couple of weeks for knicks fans but hopefully talking about one of the better franchises in, in the nba can uh pull us out of the doldrums a little bit well yeah this has honestly kind of been my story all season as i watched the knicks in the early slate and then as sort of a palate cleanse i get the warriors on local tv in the late slate so i've been well, able to Get in there. They'll be good. They'll be good. Maybe we do 60 minutes on Andrew Wiggins' all-star starter and (laughs) and really get the numbers up on this on this podcast. So I'm I'm happy to provide. Oh God. All right. I think I think Nick had a uh had a little thing on Clay Thompson he wanted to share with us. Yeah, you know, I was just um I'm just really excited to see him back. Honestly, I mean, I was gonna start out with a quip about, you know just how depressing it is it must be for Max to go from the Knicks to the Warriors and just see some beautiful ball movement, some really good team defense, some nice coaching, <laughs> nice rotations, you know. must be a, a real uh, shift to go to the Warriors after that. But basically what I wanted to start out with is just what a story Clay's been. And, uh, you know, I love him. I've loved him for a long time. You know, my, one of my best friends is a diehard Warriors fan and, Ever since I saw the scaffolding video, I don't know if our listeners have seen that one, but just look up Clay Thompson and scaffolding, and he has really solid takes on some New York scaffolding issues. Um, one of the best videos out there on the internet. I just, I highly encourage anyone to go check that out. Um, and so, yeah, Ravi, uh, what do you think about Clay's return and, um, you know, how he's fit into the offense? And I've seen some amazing kind of off-ball movement some really nice plays run for him and just how he's kind of elevated the Warriors to what beyond what they already were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, I mean, absolutely the highlight of the season for the Warriors. Uh, long anticipated, uh, so gut wrenching uh, when he tore his Achilles. Cause I don't, I'm not sure if you remember, but it was the same day as the draft. So, and it came, the news of him tearing his Achilles came like, less than an hour or something before we drafted Kuminga. So it was a pretty weird day. Like we were really excited about drafting Kuminga. But, you know, we found out like Clay is going to be out another year. So two years out. And he uh, he's looked actually much better than I expected to coming back uh, this year, like after two years away. He's definitely stronger. Um, and But he's still Clay like it's funny, like he's been on a minutes limit, but his usage is like up there with like the top like 10 players in the NBA still on like 20 minutes per game or something like that. Like, so he still like shoots it every time he gets it, but we love, love that. that. Um, and he, <laughs> no, he's looked really good. Uh, he last night, him and Steph uh, closed out the game and he hit two threes in the fourth quarter. Um, last night was the first game where uh, the coaching staff decided he could play up to 30 minutes per game. And Coach Kerr decided like to put most of that in the second half. And with the extended minutes, he looked really good. So um, I think he's going to be the clay like, that we remember by the playoffs, um, which is really exciting, obviously, for this Warriors team. Well, just on that, what do you think has been kind of you know, that he's working his way back. What Has there been any signs that he's still kind of, you know, wiping some of that rust off? Yeah. You see it in the shot, like just like inconsistent lift on the shot. And I think that just comes from like finding your NBA legs. He looks good defensively. Um, we've moved him like more towards like, he plays more of a hybrid two, three 
than like before the injuries. He was strictly a two guard, but um, we have Wiggins taking the hardest defensive assignments more often these days, which is really nice for him uh, to, to like settle back into the team. He doesn't have to like, you know, guard the toughest player on the other team. We have Wiggins for that job now. So he, he's a little stronger too. It's kind of crazy. He's pretty strong out there. So he's, uh, he's playing the three more and more. Um, but yeah, I think you see it in the shot. Um, once he gets his legs back, I think he'll have more consistent lift on that jumper. Max, have you noticed the same things when you've watched them? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've actually gone to see them in person once or twice since he's been back. Um, and I mean, first of all, just in the building, it's such a lift. Cause like, I remember also just how devastating that news was for the whole NBA when he tore his Achilles. I think it was before the, the Wiseman draft. Um, yeah. You're right. His, it was the Wiseman yeah, draft. The Wiseman draft. Uh, yeah. So it was actually yeah. a double punch there. No, no, no Kuminga <laughs> present to balance it out. Sorry. We'll get to <laughs> Wiseman Kim- later. Kuminga present came a year later, but yeah, the. What a beautiful uh, day that was. <laughs> but just, just as soon as he checks in, like, well, I mean, he starts, but every time he checks in, the building just goes crazy. And yeah, but definitely the first game I went, which I think was the Pistons game, um, even just from like the first half to the second half, you could see him kind of getting his legs under him more where uh, his jumper, he had sort of inconsistent mechanics, I felt like from the games that I watched when he was first coming back where he wasn't getting quite as high as he wanted to on his jumper and he was sort of compensating with more arms. But I looked it up and last uh six games no less five games uh clay shooting 45 percent from three and on like pretty high volume actually does the last six and it has been a little bit streaky like in those six games there's a one for eight and there's a two for eight but then that's balanced out with a seven for nine from three so it's definitely coming you can see it and just i was starting to dig into like some lineup stuff with them too and even with sort of the the rocky bumps with Clay's adjustment period and the Warriors have won nine in a row now. So it wasn't that rocky, but even with that, there's still uh, about three and a half points per hundred better with him on the court than they are with him off of it. So you can only think once Draymond comes back and everything, that'll just continue to get better. So definitely seems like he's starting to turn a corner. I'd say. Yeah. And I might add, even with that, his numbers right now over the 12 game stretch that he's played this season are not that far down from his traditional like career average numbers. I mean, he's shooting 42% overall from the field down from 46 usually. So that's a bit of a drop, but 37, almost 38% from three, it's usually 42. Um, his, his box plus minus is actually one of the best ones he's ever posted. Uh, his true shooting percentage is only down a couple of ticks. So, you know, I would have expected somebody coming back from a two year layoff with two significant injuries one of which is sometimes a career ender, I would have expected a much more significant adjustment period. So Ravi, I think you have to be pretty encouraged with, with what you're seeing this far, thus far. No, I mean, those numbers are actually better than I expected. Um, he, you can tell he's in good shape right now. Like he's frustrated when the coaches take him out. He's ready for more minutes, but like, you know, we're playing it slow. By the way, one yeah. lineup, I, I was just kind of curious to see if they had a, a lineup with clay that had like a five man lineup with clay that was standout and basically the starters with Porter instead of Draymond, since Draymond and clay haven't played a game together yet, that lineup is plus 22 per hundred um, pretty small sample size, like 70 minutes, but still like not nothing. It's across seven games. So you have to imagine once you get Draymond back in there that, I mean, it's not going to go down. I wouldn't think or maybe it'll go down because the sample size will go up. They probably won't be plus 22, but you know, it'll still be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the Knicks will see clay on Thursday. The Warriors announced today that they're resting him against Utah the night before, uh, which is our road oh, game for us. On. So he's going <laughs> to play the Knicks on Thursday, which, you know, I think Max and I are excited about because we're both going to that game. Well, I'm not yeah. very excited to hear that at all. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I, I am excited to see him. Honestly, I, I I just think he's just a gem of a human being in a lot of ways. He seems like a, an amazing teammate. He's hilarious, and he's just one of the most clutch shooters we've ever seen. Um, it's hard to hate the guy. 
Um, let's talk about the other splash bro now, who I think has had, you know, obviously at points an MVP level performance of a season, um, but then has been a little bit more inconsistent than I think we're used to out of him. Um, and Ravi, what have you seen? I mean, it hasn't really affect the war- affected the Warriors overall performance in the sense that their record is still incredible. But what have you seen out of Steph in terms of, you know, how he's worked with what he's had and also readjusting to having Clay back in the lineup, which I'm sure has been, you know, a dream for him to have Clay right. back. He's been missing his splash brother the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had a he had a bad January for his standards. Um, I think he shot around like 30%. So it was the worst shooting month of his career. And it was a slump. It was extended. But he's actually been playing, I think, pretty really good basketball since um, Clay came back, uh, which is also the same day that Draymond came out of the lineup. He has changed his game uh, without Draymond on the team, which is kind of interesting to see. Uh, what he's done is he's now playing more of a like traditional point guard role for the Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, with Draymond on the floor, he actually does a lot on offense to facilitate. Um, Steph is more of a pure scorer when Draymond's on the floor. Um, so without Draymond, what Steph has done is he's changed his game from being like a 30 points per game type four assist player to like a 23 points per game, seven assist player on um, something around that, like where he's um, choosing to get others into the flow more than himself uh, at times. And like, he's kind of absorbed some of like Draymond's offensive responsibilities, which is like, man, he's so good at basketball that he can like change his <laughs> game like that. Like, on the, it's just, I, so I do think, you know, he's, he's kind of turned it around and he's playing really good basketball right now. Um, and it's been fun to see him and Clay. Obviously, he's he's throwing some some crazy passes to Clay, especially in that Kings game last week. Uh, like the you know those classic one handed across the court, no luck passes and stuff like that. So that's been always that's always fun to see. I'm hesitant to bring up the Kings right now, but uh, anyway, uh, Sam, <laughs> what do you think uh, in terms of how, how, what do you, what have you seen out of Steph this year? Um, in terms of his, I, I've seen more growth also on the defensive end. I mean, I know he's been a good defender for a bit, but I've just noticed him being a better point of attack defender. Um, and obviously seeing him play make and turn the ball over less, I think is something that he's made a really good adjustment with. So what, what have you seen? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, obviously it goes without saying that he's having a good season, even if it's not, uh, up to his incredibly lofty standards, but just for some context, his his uh, field goal percentage is at 42 right now, and his career mark is 47, and he's at 38 from three, and his career mark is 43. So he is down a little bit, but we're also talking about a guy whose career mark is 43% from three points, which is that's absurd. Just, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> but I will. I, mean, I don't think Damian Lillard's ever been above 40% any year of his career. Mm. Coming mm. off the Portland pond, yeah. we can have a little uh, Steph Dame. Steph Dame comparison, yeah. I had to defend this guy. <laughs> but it's Semler, interesting. His assists, yeah. his assists are up. Uh, his assists per game numbers are are up from last mm-hmm. year. Um, they were they're at six point four right now. Five point eight last year. Six point six the year he only played five games, and then five point two the year before that. So what you're saying is is borne out in the stats. Um, I don't know what, what really there is to say about Steph other than that he's an absolute joy to watch and, you know, it's good to see him playing well. Yeah, and similar to Clay, last five games for Steph might indicate that he's starting to break out of his shooting slump. Uh, first of all, in the span of five games, he took 51 threes, which, like, I don't know if that oh, – wow. <laughs> I don't know if, like, three of our starters take 10 threes a game, but uh, – yeah, and of those 51 threes, he's made 24, which is like 47%. So indications that he might be starting to break out of that. Now, like the past few box scores have been like 4 of 8, 6 of 10, 7 of 14 in one game. Uh, so it's it's a bad sign for the league that both he and Clay kind of seem to be figuring out the shooting at around the same time. Yeah, yeah and one figures it would only go up from here. Yeah, it's definitely a bad sign for the league. I mean, the Warriors are already what, like, what's the record? Something crazy, like forty-one and nine or something. 
Uh, they're 41 and 13. They're 41 and 13. They're like two okay. and a half something games back from Phoenix right now. Yeah. Two and a half. That's yeah. the number. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a real amazing season for them, particularly because I think a lot of people thought coming into this year it might have been a bit of a struggle. You know, with Clay out, they weren't sure how, you know, some of the younger guys were going to fare. And, um, you know, I, I do want to talk about just briefly like Draymond's impact. And I think he's been, playing inspired basketball this whole year, pretty much. I think he just couldn't, I, I watched a, that interview on the JJ Reddick pod, podcast and he just was basically like, yeah, I couldn't get up for any of the meaningless games last year. Like it was just like impossible. Um, and I just want to get your take Ravi on kind of the difference you've seen from him this year. Yeah. It's uh, we were in a bit of the wilderness, like after Kevin Durant left, obviously we had like a 15 win season or something like that. And like, that's the season Draymond was referring to where he was just like totally uninterested in playing NBA basketball for a team like that. But, um, you know, last couple of years has, it's been a little up and down Draymond. And honestly, there was like skepticism about like whether he could get back to like an all-star level. Um, clearly he's proved that wrong this year. It's, it's been like, this year has been as good, him as any of his other best years um he's been you know obviously defensive player of the year candidate he got named to the all-star team and the Warriors are winning games right now without him while he recovers from his injury I I thought we would we'd be it'd be a little rockier but our defense has been has held up but we are not going to get to the finals without Draymond we absolutely need him on the team if we want to like contend for a championship so uh, absolutely, he's probably the second best player on this Warriors team this year. Not Andrew Wiggins. All star Wiggins. All star starter Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, let's get into that. What a what a turnaround for the guy. Um, I remember Warriors fans weren't so happy to even get him in the first place. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, I didn't blame him. Uh, it was kind of he's he's one of those players who's a bit of an enigma. Has historically been a bit, you know. Uh, sometimes a bit up and down with his effort level, his motor, um, you know, obviously maybe not the best chemistry guy who knows, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler didn't like him. So, you know, he's on most people's shit list because of that. But, uh, you know, on the Warriors, he's totally turned it around. And I mean, what a season he's had. And and I actually looked at the stats recently. He's gotten even better since he got named an all-star. He's just, he's out to show everyone who hated on him for getting that spot wrong. Um yeah, talk about that, Robbie. That's been pretty yeah. incredible to watch. He's so happy. Oh, my God. Like, talk about, like, a situation um, is everything story because uh, he's, like, obviously playing his best basketball right now. Um, and you can see it. Like, he's, like, you see it on his face. Like, he's literally, he's smiling more than he was when mm-hmm. he was in Minnesota. Like, this guy's really happy to be on a winning team. Um, and you're right. He has been playing better since he was named a starter. Obviously like the team was super happy for him. Uh, you know, Warriors have like a huge international fan base, which is definitely why he got that fan vote that pushed him to that starter, uh, which is pretty funny, honestly. Like I, I think it's funny, obviously as a Warriors fan, um, but I'm hey, not he's amused. been really good. He's been really good for us. <laughs> so and that trade was, um, I wasn't sure about it for sure, um, but it turned out to work really well in the Warriors' favor. I think there was some frustration because we only got to see Steph and D'Angelo Russell play like five games together, if that, before Steph broke his hand. So we traded D'Angelo Russell for what ended up being Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins. So that's a win. Uh, but at the time, it was like, hey, we didn't even get to see Stefan D'Lo. And then you traded him for this very controversial high-usage player in Minnesota. But what a win for that. That was a good trade for the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about a good organization taking advantage of a bad organization, if you look at Wiggins' stats in Minnesota, he was not good. His effective field goal percentage mm-hmm. only got a He changed his game. Once. Yeah. And that was, that was point. 504. So he barely got there. He was a terribly inefficient player, didn't play much defense. And he gets to the Warriors, and all of a sudden, he's shooting his, his effective field goal percentage this year is 56.5. He's shooting 48% overall. 
and his three-point percentage is 41. That's insane. And he's playing really good defense too. So I said last the last time that we had a pod that I don't think situation really defines a player, but this is obviously an exception to that. Yeah, he's definitely, he's changed his game since leaving Minnesota and, you know, that could be a credit to the coaching staff and obviously to him, but he's less of like a on the ball creator and more of a slasher and has cut out some of those inefficient parts of his game. Yeah. And I think to be fair to your point, Sam, you were saying more that really great players can transcend their situation, but I don't think you were saying that situation doesn't matter. Um, Max, what have you seen out of Wiggins? I've, I've, I've noticed also, Outside of that, I mean, the guy has been an elite athlete since he got into the league, but hasn't thrown down too many highlight reel dunks. I mean, he's thrown down a few, but I feel like yeah. this season it's just like a dime a dozen. Yeah, he had, I mean, he had the one on Towns, which is like probably his highlight of the season. And I remember a lot of my Warriors fan friends telling me at the time that that dunk kind of marked like a change in his attitude. Like it seemed like he really took off after that game. And I remember I was actually, I was at that game, the Minnesota uh, Warriors game. And two things that jumped off were A, that Wiggins dunk and B, Gary Payton the second threw down like three just oh ridiculous alley-oops in that dunk. In that, no, that, guy's, that guy's legit. Yeah. yeah. He's a fun player to watch. Uh, yeah. Man, I'd love to have a guy like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be great to have that guy. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen Deuce enough. Maybe he has a vertical that that we haven't seen. He he can probably defend like Gary Payton, but we have to see. He doesn't he doesn't have the vertical, but I actually think he could fill a similar role on the yeah. right mm-hmm. team. Yeah. But yeah, I mean Wiggins, it seems I mean he used to be like my least favorite player archetype, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um of just like lots of pull-up. 18 to 20 footers off the dribble when there's other options available really early in the shot clock, inattentive defense, just like coach's nightmare type player. (laughs) And now it's just like he fits. I mean, he had kind of a year to practice last year fitting into the offense and now just all the cuts flow pretty seamlessly. He shoots when he's open. He knows not really to shoot when he's not open, but also like the warriors, if they get into late shot clock situations, they'll kind of give it to him and be like, Hey, go, be six nine and get a shot off over someone because no one else on the team can really do that in the same way. So yeah, I mean, no, he's, he's been a revelation. And the fact that they got him and Kaminga who probably both as individual assets have more value than D'Angelo Russell right now is pretty incredible from their front office. Yeah. yeah I don't notice D'Angelo Russell has much value. So from <laughs> <Bar> clear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, D'Lo has skill, but, Definitely not on the defensive end, let's just say that. Um, now, I've noticed the, the Andrew Wiggins, whenever he ices, he's got that turnaround fadeaway now, which is really effective. And I remember watching like him working on it in practice when he was on the Timberwolves. I, he would release like these Instagram videos of them working on it, but it would never actually work in game. And all of a sudden, they're finally starting to go in. Um, let's talk uh, about Kaminga, yeah. though. Let's talk about Kaminga because, uh, I mean... What a stroke of luck. I mean, you've got to be joking, right? Is he like, the, how lucky he can one franchise get? But to get Jonathan Kaminga at seven, I mean, that's absurd. That's just absolutely absurd. What a player. I think, Max, I remember you were super high on him back in the day. But, Robbie, mm-hmm. what have you seen out of the guy? He's just been – he's been even better than I think we expected him to be. I mean, guys, is he, is he the second strongest player in the league? Uh, RJ Barrett. <laughs> RJ Barrett. Okay. No, RJ, RJ, I don't. I have my power rankings of like most of the strongest players in the league, and RJ is not number one. Uh, well, Stephen Adams Kuminga has got to be up two. there. Who I do you have number Isaiah, one? I have Isaiah Beef Stew Stewart on the Pelicans. <laughs> Come on, well, yeah, Stephen Adams has got to be up there. Stephen Adams just li- lifted up Tony Bradley the other day. Uh, I, I think we got to give him some some credit Jonas. in the top five. Wait, yeah, let's, Jonas. Let's, hear, let's let's hear this list. Just well, take no, us I mean, to the top, Adams, the top five. I'm just judging this of like who would be the toughest guys to move off of their spot. So you know, Isaiah Stewart uh, went through like maybe like ten men to to get try and get to LeBron James. Um, they they actually couldn't tackle him. He looked like he was an NFL player in that. That was like the funniest video I've seen all year. 
Jonathan Kuminga is is on my list as one of the strongest players because he's 19 and uh, we put him out there and uh, you know like these older veteran centers and and forwards try to bully him and they bounce right off of him in the paint when they're when he's de- when Kuminga is defending them. So you can't really move Kuminga off his spot. Stephen Adams, that's a good one though too. I mean, obviously he picks up grown men and and moves them off the court when there's altercations. So I, I like that. He's on the list. With, with all due respect to Jonathan Kuminga, I see Stephen Adams getting him in a bear hug and removing him from the court, taking that's, him to the locker room. That's fair. I uh, I'll throw my lot in with uh, Joku, but. Um, yeah, maybe he needs a few more, more years before he can match up with, with Steven Adams. All right, so what about Joku on the court? We'll, we'll go with that nickname for now. He's, a, he's like the most, you know, he's like the fan base favorite because we get excited about rookies and young players like every other fan base. And uh, he's super, he's like, he pops off the screen. He makes like a couple highlight plays a game. Uh, super exciting to watch. And he's getting more run right now with while Draymond's been out. Um, there's a little bit of like a, like he's can be in the doghouse sometimes with Steve Kerr because uh, you can tell like there's stuff he's not doing that Steve Kerr wants him to do, like rebound. Uh, so that's like there, there are some things that are limiting the amount of minutes that he wants to get. But he does so many good things for us when he's on the floor. I think he's like ahead of schedule with his player development. And uh, he plays incredible, like, uh, one-on-one defense sometimes gets lost in the team scheme, uh, which is like a big no-no for Steve Kerr. Um, so, you know, there's that tension definitely where I mean, there will be nice where he gets like 15 minutes a game when the fan base would want him to see, get like 25 minutes or 30 minutes. So, you know, we love watching him play though. And he's such an exciting athlete. I mean, what a luxury to be able to just bring him along in 15 minutes spurts on the second best team in the NBA record-wise. and. I mean, yeah, I did like him coming out. I sort of liked him when I first saw him. And then, well, I mean, it was, it's hard to like not hear all the chatter about how like his mentality might not be great. Um, and he, that's and then him sort of starting to slide down draft boards. But I mean, like when I first saw him, I thought like, I mean, his body as like an NBA body is already incredible. He's honestly, he's even bouncier in his rookie year than anything I saw from just like watching some of his stuff with ignite, like he had a dunk the other night where he just got it on the fast break and he kind of came to a stop to catch it. And then just off of two feet kind of going across the lane, just threw down this tomahawk over a guy. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely still some limitations. Like I think he's shooting in the mid sixties from the free throw line. His three point percentage is not great. Um, his assist to turnover is still negative. So that's probably the turnovers and just sort of, Dumb rookie plays. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the reason why he's not getting more run, but like past three games, he's gotten over 20 minutes and he's scored in like the high teens pretty efficiently. So I think the things that pop out for him, like which you like are impressed to see in a rookie is like, he gets guys in foul trouble. He gets the line a ton when he's playing. Um, Like you mentioned, like he needs to improve his free throw shooting, but um, hopefully he can get that up. Uh, He's just a rookie, but, and then his footwork is really good. Like he finds ways to get to the rim. Um, You know, he doesn't bite on pump fakes either when he's defending. So those are three things I think are impressive to see in like a young guy. He's pretty efficient too, for a guy that shoots 30% from three. I mean, he's not taking many threes, but you like to see that. I think with the rookie, any sort of sign of effectiveness is great especially yeah. one playing in high leverage situations. Like I imagine Kaminga is playing for the Warriors. Yeah. He's getting coached, man. Like he, you, he could have been drafted to a place like, um, Sacramento. you know, Sacramento. There you go. And no, we're like, we have to go after there. Sacramento today. We yeah. have to go after Sacramento I'm today. Okay. <laughs> he could have been drafted to a place like that. And they're like, all right, go out there and like play 40 minutes. And, like anything you do, like, it's fine. You'll play another 40 minutes tomorrow. Like, yeah. He makes, like, two mistakes with the Warriors. He gets pulled. Like, it's part of the reason probably why he didn't get named to the Rising Stars team, like, on the All-Star. He's, like, the only one of the top ten draft picks who didn't get named that team. He just has not been able to play enough minutes because 
he's getting coached. Like, and you can tell that he gets frustrated by it because he probably has like five coaches yelling at his ear at all times. And like, he just wants to plus get out Draymond. and play, but plus Draymond. Draymond came out the other day and said, you guys, like we can't have Steph Curry be the leading scorer and be the only one taking charges. Like you guys have to go out there and take charges. So Kaminga took his second ever charge, his first NBA charge last night against the Thunder. Um, so, you know, you can tell like it's showing a positive effect on him, but, you know, hopefully that, you know, the point, the hope is that this like pans out really well over the next couple of years and like we're doing it right with his player development. And I'm sure when you say second ever charge, we're not talking about NBA plus G League. We're talking about NBA plus G League plus high school plus middle school plus whatever elementary school basketball he did. Yeah, you know, it's seriously, I, he said in his interview, like, that's the first ever charge I've ever taken. Oh, wait, I took one for the G League Ignite last year. But <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't think he's used to, you know, having to do that. Listen, if I was 6'8", 210 and could jump out the gym, I wouldn't be taking charges either. He's a monster. I mean, I'm not taking charges anyway, as it stands. Yeah, I haven't really seen you take many charges, Sam, when I've played basketball with you. Um, <laughs> maybe, you know, I can't be the one uh, leading the team <laughs> and scoring and taking all the charges. So, I, I, you know, you've got to go out there and get some charges next time. We I play. mean, it's a good thing you're not leading the team and scoring them. I was a great charge taker. Hell yeah. Yeah. Grit and grind, Max. Team basketball. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about another unsung hero, I would say, of the Warriors season this year. Um, Jordan Poole, another if you want to talk about development and you know success in that department with the Warriors, I think he's a huge success story. I was actually pretty worried about him coming out of college. I saw obviously the shooting potential and everything, but um, he just seemed a little undersized. It seemed like he didn't really have a handle. Um, he seemed just you know pretty much relegated to me to be a career maybe bench player who maybe hits a corner three, you know, really more of a, a low-level role player. But he's completely blossomed. His handle is way better this year. His finishing is way better this year. Everything's up. He's averaging 16 points a game. He's averaging 90% from the free throw line. He's, he's unbelievable this year. I, I've just been completely blown away by his development. Um, what have you seen, Robbie? Yeah, I mean – exactly what you just said like it's it's been stunning to watch his player development um he definitely struggled his rookie year at times uh in and out of the g league for long stretches he's he was uh he struggled to get a shot off like quick enough um and he he didn't have like he kind of had more tunnel vision compared to what he is now um where i think he had like seven assists last night he's in a tough position because you know it's tough to be having a career year as like a third year player in the NBA while also getting a reduced role because Clay Thompson has come back. Uh, so now you're on the bench while you're having a career year. Uh, I think he's handled it really well. Um, but he's a guy like Kumenga who has like that kind of confidence where um, I think, you know, he wants to be playing more minutes as many minutes as he can. Um, he's a super confident player. And I think he has a lot of, I think he can be an all-star in this league. Like if he, continues on this trajectory he's like it's unrecognizable like the player he was two years ago compared to what he is now should the knicks trade for him is that what you're saying the knicks need to trade for him right now somehow yeah, run out of time <laughs> <laughs> you know the warriors are gonna stand pat this year but you should try to find a way we gotta give up the farm i don't yeah, know I'll maybe be- not rj but everyone else is on the table <laughs> do you he want the Warriors in New York jump in the pool Ravi uh do you want the Warriors to do anything at the trade deadline or do you kind of feel like you're good enough to win the title with the team you have and just keep it as is? yeah uh there's like a fraction of the fan base that wants to get like another body like at, as a center uh just like to for wear and tear because obviously Draymond's out Wiseman hasn't seen the court so Looney it's pretty dependent on Looney not getting injured I personally don't want them to do anything. Um, Can I, I interest think, you yeah. in Nerland's Noel? Is Nerland's so are the are the Knicks buyers or sellers at the trade deadline this year? Well, we certainly hope they're going to be sellers, but uh, with each passing day, we get more and more nervous that they won't sell anything. Do you think they're going to make a move? 
I'd be shocked what, if they what didn't. Tibbs said. <laughs> Tibbs, I mean, wouldn't, Tibbs wouldn't comment yeah. on that. Um, I mean, so so what the Knicks the Knicks traded for Cam Reddish. They traded a first round pick for him, and he's played like thirty minutes total in the two, three, four weeks that he's been here. Um, so it seems pretty imperative that they clear a roster spot for him, but it just remains to be seen whether any of the players we have in our rotation have any sort of value because I don't think they're keen on just getting rid of guys for the for the sake of clearing a roster spot. Well, I he's only played like, like thirty minutes. Well, Cam Radish. Radish I, oh, yeah. So they probably want to wait to see like what their team looks like when Radish is playing like a full rotation minutes. Well, well the problem is he can't play full rotation minutes because despite the fact that we're six games under 500, we have too many rotation players. So we have to get rid of some so that he can Who's play ahead of him in the rotation. Grimes. Not... Well, Fournier, Burks, Grimes, Barrett basically are like the, the rotation at the two and the three. So and, quickly and then quickly, but he's more in the rotation of the one. Yeah. Once Rose comes back, he's like totally buried. So, We've established on this pod we will be quite upset if we have the same number of rotation players before the deadline as we do after the deadline. <laughs> yeah, that's a wow. You guys have a packed um, at the guard position uh, lineup of, of of very mediocre players. Yeah, yeah. yeah very. <laughs> Besides Grimes, lay off my guy Grimes. My guy Grimes, he's a he's a gem, and I love him. Um, mm-hmm. We believe in him for sure. But no, I, I actually, I think the biggest impediment is Grimes because he's played so well. And, you know, he, he actually plays winning basketball as a rookie, which is not something that you can say very often. Um, God forbid Tibbs play, God forbid Tibbs play two young wings in his rookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not going to happen. That's absurd. Yeah. I actually, I want to ask you guys in all seriousness, like I didn't take much from Randall, like having that scuffle with the coach. But, like, there's also that clip. I'm sure you guys have already discussed this, maybe, about, like, him, like, not helping his teammate up. Did you see that? We were watching the game together on text last night. And in the last four minutes of the game, we watched Randall stare at an open three-point shooter while he knocked down a three. Um, And then there's a play under the basket where Mitch was guarding – somebody on on an offensive rebound Mitch fell down Randall standing right next to Mitch just watched as the guy dunked the ball and then he brought he brought the ball up on offense four times in a row just kind of pounded the air out of it and jacked up a long two or turned the ball over did some other terrible thing so uh missed RJ on a wide open three and took a fadeaway mid-range that bricked off the rim after and you know the most frustrating part about the whole thing with him is that he had a really good game overall for yeah. the first three and a half quarters. He had like thirty points. He was playing with good energy, and then just fully imploded at the end. It was yeah. Is this like a body language thing with him then, where like he gets put out pretty easily, and then like checks out of the offense, like you said, yeah. like ignores his teammates, etc. It seems like it's a it's a. I don't know whether to call it a shooting slump or just a shooting reversion, but it is a decline in shooting, which has led to him getting inside of his own head, probably compounded by the fact that he plays in New York and everyone's shitting on him every game they have. It seems like he lets it affect his game. Like a couple things don't go his way. Like he spirals out of control. Yes. He gets the sort of like bewildered, angry sort of checked out look in his eyes and yeah you think tibbs is like talking to him about these kind of things like dude like you, you have to be like you have to like be a little more consistent with like you can't you, can, you have to play defense you know things like that like i don't know I, yes. are the coaches like talking to him about this kind of stuff i'm sure they are but i don't think he's list- i think he's tuning them out at this point um i i don't think the kind of out of context videos of him blowing up or, you know, yelling at a teammate or hitting a computer. I, I think those are a bit more worse, worse for the optics than they are in reality for team yeah. chemistry. I those think are, those general, are like for Twitter. Yeah. I think in general, his teammates seem to like him for the most part. There's no huge amount of friction coming out of the locker room saying, Oh man, this guy's just tanking us. And, um, if anything, you know, his teammates kind of stick up for him. So I think 
overall, he's not like a chemistry killer. But I still think at points they absolutely have got to be frustrated with how he plays down the stretch of games. And part of that has to, and I think we were all talking about this last night, part of this has to fall on Tibbs because his offense is just so unbelievably stagnant. It almost reminds me of like the, the end of the Mike Woodson years where he was literally isoing mellow with no, you know, we, we had that 12, 13 year, year where we had shooters around him and it worked. And then after that, we kind of lost that shooting a little bit and he's still stuck to the same thing. Um, and, you know, Tibbs is just isoing Randall down the stretch instead of, you know, we were all clamoring after RJ was having a really good game last night too. Once again, we were all clamoring for RJ to get the ball, get at least some pick and roll action. You know, there's some movement when RJ gets the ball. With Randall, it's just a bunch of standing around, um, hoping that he finds the open man, not, hoping that he doesn't turn the ball over. He he does this absolutely infuriating thing sometimes where he just like feels really loosey with the ball. He just doesn't seem to care about where he's dribbling or how he's dribbling with like really small, tenacious defenders guarding him all the time. <laughs> what was this like? The most thing. What was yeah, the difference just, last year? Was he just doing this but hitting the shots? Yes. The difference last year is we had an entire team basically built to allow Julius Randle to pound the ball out of to pound the hell out of the ball and like hit contested twos. He shot really well from three. And then we had a team full of defenders. And honestly, he was way more motivated as a defender. So it was just an ecosystem that revolved around Julius Randle. And this year in the offseason, we brought in Kemba Walker and we brought in Evan Fournier. And the idea was those two guys will handle the ball more, take some pressure off of Randall. This is after in the Hawks series, they just loaded up on him. And he had, you know, that really should have been an indicator for where this year was going, guys. But he had an he had a he had a playoff series that is like this season has been. And it just has not worked. It it hasn't worked. And I think as as Kemba has been ineffective, um, and, and as Fournier did not start the year well, Tibbs really reverted back to the offense from last year of having Randall just just pound the ball. And now we've got Evan Fournier in the Reggie Bullock role with, without the defense, basically. Yeah, I've been rooting for him ever since I saw that photo of him standing right next to uh, Zion last year. And he's actually wider than Zion. Oh, really? I was amazed. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> In this photo, not anymore. Maybe not anymore. Yep, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Zion said that photo, saw that photo, and he said, "Let me let me fill out a little bit." Yeah, he's definitely out. increased his white his width for sure. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> strong, really worked on that in the offseason. Yeah, <laughs> Zion might be the hardest to move in the NBA office. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talk talk about an immovable object. That's uh, <laughs> Zion Williams. <laughs> guys can i ask a sort of uh you know i feel like this podcast has been so cheery we're talking about this great franchise can i ask something a little bit i think we need to get down in the mud a little bit here especially to be true to our knicks fan roots it is nominally a knicks podcast do the warriors have a better young core than the knicks uh who tell me your knicks young core right now so we've got R.J. Barrett is the leader of the young core, and then Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes. I would say those are like the main pieces. I Mitch, you might count Mitch. Mitch. We always forget Mitch. Mitch. Well, the problem is, so how will, is yeah. we don't know if we'll keep him or not. Right, and I, I feel like it's hard to include Reddish without having seen him play a real role with, with the team yet. Yeah. So um, obviously, our quantity of players who are interesting and young is higher because that's kind of where we are as a franchise. But I mean, I'd say RJ is probably the best prospect across in terms of like trade value right now. RJ is probably the highest value of anybody on either team. Young prospect. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I, you know, I think the Knicks have a, I think the Knicks have potentially a better young core. I mean, they have more players who are, and that just means like there's a higher chance. One of them is going to land. It's like, a premier player in the league. Uh, the Warriors kind of have three. Well, I, you know, I can't believe I, they have four. We, I haven't counted Wiseman while I've been thinking about this for the last like 30 seconds because I haven't seen him play in a year. Um, it might be closer, but I, I, you know, the Nick, the Warriors' young core would probably be Jonathan Kaminga, 
and uh, James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, and then Moses Moody, who has actually been really good the last three games. But you know, I'm I'm he's in more in the quickly range. Like we should talk about the the players at the top of this of both of these cores first. Well, how, so, do, you feel, um, how do you feel about Wiseman right now? Um, I thought I was really high on him in the draft. I thought he was going to yeah. be. You know, I knew he was going to be a little bit raw, but I thought the guy has so much natural talent. He has so much size. It just seemed, uh, barring some sort of freak injuries, it seemed like he was kind of destined to have, you know, a very much above average, you know, floor and then a ceiling of an all-star, multi-time all-star to me. Also, he has, I always noticed that he had a better handle than a lot of guys his size. He has fluid jump shot mechanics. Like he has potential there to really grow as a scorer. So, what do you think about him now? I know he's been injured, but um, yeah, actually, some news today was the first day he got um, contact work in in practice, which is like that's been the milestone for us. Like, we're not going to believe he's close to returning until we see him get contact work in. So, the Warriors put out a video of him practicing, doing like actual three on three work. So that's actually promising. That makes me think well, he'll see the floor this season. Um, I think it, we just haven't seen enough to like make any kind of judgment yet because last year was so weird. Um, you know, we asked him to do so many different things for the team when really we should have reduced like the complexity of his role. I think you'll see a different player this year when he comes back and it won't even be up to him. Like the, the role we're going to give him is going to be more of a traditional pick and roll, uh, dunker spot and also run to the hoop. Um, so he's a monster, you know, he's a huge guy and he's not going to have to make like playmaking decisions. Like we asked him to do last year. So I actually, I, I'm kind of optimistic that he'll, he'll show us some good stuff this year. I don't think he's going to be like in like our seven to nine man playoff rotation. If we're competing in the conference finals, cause I don't think he's ready for that, but he still has that ceiling of like star that I think, um, you know, he definitely had come going into the draft. So you're saying you don't want to trade him for New Orleans Noel. You're, you're affirmatively saying that right now. Uh, are you selling Noel? Because I thought you were making space for uh, your guy Cam Reddish at the deadline. So I'll do anything at this point. Just <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I mean, just because we can't be all positive on the Warriors for this entire episode. And I was not super high on Wiseman coming out just I mean like it was hard to tell because you barely had any sample size to judge off of but I mean as good as the Warriors have been like can you imagine them with LaMelo on this team like it's it'd just be like a fever dream but yeah with Wiseman last year some things I saw that definitely concerned me were I felt like his hands were very questionable like he would drop a lot of balls and also not catch balls cleanly. Even when he dunked it, it looked, well, sometimes he'd have really impressive dunks, but sometimes he just like, it just seemed like he was, he couldn't quite get a handle on the ball. It was really weird because it seems like he has really big hands. Um, but yeah, so I'm a little worried about that. I'm definitely worried that he looked pretty lost for large portions of last year. Um, but again, he was a rookie and it's a complicated system. So to get him in more of just like a diving role, it could be easier for him, but yeah, I mean, a, yeah. A lot of, I will say, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, I, the, the Wiseman I saw last year is not ready to compete for a championship. Like he cannot play minutes, like in the conference finals, for example. And I, I mean, a, a lot of people say, like, we're saying, like, oh, when they get Clay back and when they get Wiseman back, and it's really more like Wiseman is like a either a a trade ship or b like a three to five year or not maybe three to five, but like a couple years down the line sort of guy. He's not helping them win this year necessarily agreed yeah i think lake abused it the same way well i think lake abused him as a three to five year project i don't know every so once in a while every once in a while there are these guys that the consensus seems to be in the draft like oh this guy's an amazing prospect he's xyz and wiseman is just one of those guys where i have never ever understood uh or seen it with and for me, it's not, I just don't see the athleticism. Like people were talking about him along the same lines of like a Mitchell Robinson, with this like crazy freak athleticism. And I would look at the guy's highlights. I'd look at Mitch's highlights and it's just not the same pop. So when you have a player who's 
upside is built on his athleticism and I'm not seeing the athleticism in the games that that scares me. Yeah. Like it's not Deandre Jordan, like young Deandre Jordan sort of pop necessarily. Although that's kind of probably the prototype they're going for with him. Or I mean, probably Deandre Ayton would be like the best case scenario, but it's hard to see that necessarily right now. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's like the vertical spacing that he gives you. He's the athleticism doesn't really show on the defensive end. Cause I don't think he actually, I think he might be afraid of contact a little bit. It's not great. Yeah. That's not a good but, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I know. But it's been, it's, that's kind of frustrating because, you know, I need this guy to be our center. But uh, the on the offensive side, it's like that vertical spacing that he provides where he, like, you can throw it up there and he'll put it down. Um, and, you know, Gary Payne, weirdly, gives us vertical spacing, too. Um, <laughs> on our yeah, kind of Absurdly. And Kuminga too. Although Kuminga's, yeah, no, and Kuminga too. Uh, so like, that's, I think where like the athleticism will show. Yeah. I think Max, the, the Aiton comp is pretty, a, a kind of apt one. Um, he's also, you know, particularly earlier in his career was known as a little bit soft, a little bit, you know, not using the tools that he has at his disposal. Um, and I think Wiseman probably isn't quite as athletic as Aiton was coming right out, but probably has a little bit higher skill ceiling in terms of particularly developing a jumper. I, I, I always thought his jump, his jumper looks good on paper. It doesn't necessarily go in, but I saw the, the couple of games that I saw from him last year where he would really, you know, get a little bit hot. He would actually hit some mid range shots. Um, and if he, if he can actually get that consistent, I think that completely opens his game up and, yeah, you know, that's that's his. That's where he starts to take off as a as an all star prospect. I hate to be mm-hmm. the hater here, but I just I have to go on record. And Aiden is so much more skilled than than Wiseman will ever be in my in my mind. And I'm happy to be wrong in a couple of years, but I just I don't see it. I would take Aiden's I would take Aiden's toucher on the rim. I would take his mid range jumper. I would take his defense. I I think. You know, Wiseman is fifty percent of the player. Maybe, maybe not fifty, but if he's. I 60, think it's a. I think it's a moot point, though, Sam, because like there is there is not an eight in role on the Warriors for Wiseman. If Wiseman were to have those skills, like we don't have a role for him where he can shoot jump shots and threes and stuff like that. Like we have, we don't play fair. that way. So um, we don't need him to be anything other than like uh, finish these plays, like when you're given the ball and like our guards, our superstar three-point shooter guards are trapped. Let's, let's uh, kind of, you know, conclude and, and, and finish up on a, on a more broad sense of where you think the Warriors will be. Do you think, they'll, do you think they're going to be title contenders this year? I mean, obviously their record says so, the, the way they play. I think so as well. And, and what do you think about, you know, going forward? I mean, it obviously seems like you have some young prospects, but how do you think, how long do you think this kind of machine can keep rolling, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, to the first point, like, absolutely. Like, I'll be disappointed if they're not in the finals this year. I think that's the expectations. Uh, you know, that was the hope going into the season, but they definitely surprised even the fans, like, with how, how good they've been, like, at the midpoint. Um, but at this point, yeah, the expectations are to make the finals and compete for a championship. And I think uh, you all agree, like, they're one of the teams to watch. Uh, like of the handful of teams at the top who have a decent chance of winning it all. I like, I also, I like them coming out of the West uh, if we can all get healthy, which is an if Um, that same thing, that same if applies to the Suns too, because Chris Paul is pretty old. So there's always a chance, I think a decent chance that they might not be hundred percent in the conference finals. So I think that, I think the injuries will decide um, who comes out of the West. Yes, yeah, so um, I know Max is yeah. curious about this. How do you think they, assuming assuming everyone's healthy, because you know everything, it's too hard to predict. How do you, how do you see them stacking up in that matchup against the Suns? Well, I, what, like I what like concerns him. you, yeah. and then and then how, what do you think the advantage is for the Warriors? I, I I like them coming out on top against the Suns. We have some really good wins against the Suns this year. Like we won on Christmas in their house while they were fully healthy, and we were missing like Wiggins, Clay, and Jordan Poole, um, who are three guys who like would eat a lot of minutes on our playoff rotation. I really, 
I think the only thing that concerns me is injuries. Like I want Draymond to be a hundred percent because we're going to have a really tough time against that front line without Draymond. Uh, so that's it. You know, I'm, I'm not that worried about Chris Paul and Devin Booker because they have to also guard Steph Curry and Clay Thompson um, if they're going to be on the floor. So I like my, I like the Warriors backcourt against that backcourt. So yeah, I would say the only thing that really concerns me is like being healthy in the front line against a, a really good Suns team because that, that Suns team is really good. When you said that Chris Paul and Devin Booker had to guard Steph and Clay, I remembered that, uh, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker also have to guard Steph and Clay <laughs> this week. And kind of, oh, no. <laughs> a little shiver went down my spine. Although, honestly, I don't hey, even know if Kemba's hey. going to play. Yeah, it's on the day of the trade deadline. It's after 3 p.m. There's a chance that they won't even suit up. It's true. Yeah, who, yeah we could see, you know, we could see might Ben get, Simmons might get Deuce McBride next jersey on Thursday. I was going to oh, say, do we, do we no, want to preview this game? <laughs> do we yeah, want to preview we do, like, game on Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, let me, let, me, let me preview it right now. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Warriors by 50. <laughs> <laughs> what is the actual line? Come on, let's see. I'm going to guess it's 13. No, actually, I'm going to guess it's no. nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'm going to say nine and a half. Yeah, that sounds right. That nine sounds right. Half. Actually, I'm going to say 11 and a half because they're at home. Warriors minus five. Hmm. Oh, I'll take, yeah, minus I'll take it. I think this might be uh, a bet against the Knicks. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's called hedging your happiness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hedge your happiness. I wonder. Yeah, you know the Warriors are in Utah the night before, so maybe they rest some players. So you know, who That's knows? We might get we might get the Jordan Pool show, and like the Splash Brothers are. Well, Clay is going to play apparently. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't know. Steve Kerr. You know, Steve Kerr, I think, is also not playing Clay against Utah because he's like Popovich a little bit and like doesn't want to play his best players against good teams in the regular season. Hmm. Um, so, hey, maybe we rest everyone against Utah and then we give you guys our, our best shot. Yeah, I, I just want to go back to the Suns point. I, I actually think the Suns match up pretty well against the Warriors. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for the Warriors to beat the Suns in a seven-game series, um, particularly, obviously, barring injury of CP or Devin Booker. You know, I think conversely, to your point, I think the Suns can kind of match the Warriors defensively and scoring-wise, and they're one of the few teams that can actually do that. Plus, they have an interior presence that the Warriors, you know, I mean, I know Draymond will probably be able to you know, do some sort of work on, on Aiton, you know, for a given game or two, but Aiton's going to have some big games. I think it, it's definitely a tough matchup. I think for both sides, I think it's a complete toss up, definitely a seven game series. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't remind you that Steph has had his own fair share of playoff struggles. My only concern is that Clay has not. And he just <laughs> tends to show up in the biggest of moments. Um, so I think, I think Chris Paul absolutely will have something to say about, you know, Steph and his little antics, you know, dancing on the court, you know, chucking up whatever these highfalutin half court yeah, shots I, I've taken these days. <laughs> yeah. Chris Paul has not won against Steph Curry really like in, you know, 10 years. So I'm not really worried about that because Chris Paul has had his chance to say stuff against Steph and come up short too. Um, it's a good but you, you make a good point about them matching up well. I think the Warriors' strategy will be to run Aiden up and down as much as they can. But it will be a toss-up. I think like Vegas will probably give it a toss-up. I think the Suns will have home court too. So there are, you know, it's it's not gonna be I think it'll be a longer series, like a six or seven game series. But um, you know, I'll I'll go with my Warriors. Yeah. I and mean the Suns this- also can switch everything off the ball, which uh, some of the reason that the Warriors it's pretty to, similar teams. Yeah. 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 That they, they can just like, and that sort of nullifies some of the advantages you get from all this sort of beautiful movement in the offense. So it is going to come down to, to bucket getting in some cases. And it's just a case of whether golden state has enough guys to be able to do that, or maybe they'll make like half their threes and it won't matter. Yeah. Well, you know, Clay Thompson, I agree with Nick. Clay Thompson will will be the one for us to to get us into the finals. 
All right, guys. Well, this was great. Ravi, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I am not looking forward to tomorrow's game. Uh, this is going to be upsetting. To Five watch. and a half. I, I think Vegas I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm definitely uh, taking the whatever is over, under, you know, whatever it is. Definitely the Warriors tomorrow. I'm, I'm betting on them for sure. <laughs> I'll be, be in the building in my Tibbs next quarter zip. Just let's go. Ready to cheer wanna, on the I guys. I want to see a cam- I want to see the camera focus on you, Max, in the crowd, and I want to see see a full next year. Every no. maybe not a Julius Randle jersey, but at least a quickly jersey. I want to yeah. see it. Sam and I stopped <laughs> yeah. getting each other jerseys because every jersey we got would just get traded like two weeks. Later, so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till after the trade line deadline then to get your jersey, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, the Jonas, kiss of death. Absolute pleasure. The kiss of death was the Porzingis jersey followed by the. ACL tear one month yeah. ago. That's yeah. one. Oh, I think I got but you anyway. a real Max shirt too, and that's been. Yeah. Well, guys, this is absolute pleasure. And Max, I'll see you at Chase for a beer. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for stopping by, Rob.